Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On The Bat Bar podcast with Jason Williams today, joining me from Proof & Co to talk about some really incredible projects he's been involved in and is starting. So a lot of people will know Jason over in this side of the world. Uh, he's been based in Singapore for, for quite some time now and has been actively involved as the consulting head of Proof & Co. Now, you know, I think it goes without saying some of the bars he's sort of worked before and consulted on are world-renowned. We're talking Mandarin Oriental MO, Atlas Bar, uh, we've got the latest project Argo in Four Seasons, and he's also just launched his own bar, Apollonia, in Sydney, uh, which I'm really excited to, to hear about more. Um, What's most exciting about this episode is Jason now is absolutely sharing his creative process and he's called this the 20 pillars that he religiously works by with any new projects. Now, I think you're going to love this episode. It was such a pleasure to host Jason, so really enjoy. And um, as always, guys, please, if you do love the show, uh, give it a like, give it a share, subscribe. You can always head over to uh patreon which is my community where you can sort of sign up and be having exclusive uh, member gifts and and information and also uh if you want to head over to gastronomer lifestyle which is my content site which i'm adding to day by day and and eventually what i want to have is sort of uh, a whole database of all these incredible people that have been on the show from their cocktail recipes they share uh, to also one page um sort of manuscripts about uh, what they tell me so uh, you know for me i'm always trying to help this show grow and, and creatively give you more information because not only do i love this industry but i want to help it grow too um yeah so thanks once again um please enjoy this amazing episode with jason williams and stay safe <laughs> Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much once again for joining me on the Bat Bar podcast. We're up to episode 46 now, and we have Jason Williams joining us from Singapore. Um, such a pleasure to have you here, man. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not too bad. Nice uh, afternoon. Ready for a chat. Good. Yeah. I mean, we've got so much to talk about. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we just talked about Singapore. Obviously, things are getting slowly better. Uh, tables are five now, right? Yeah, as of um, Monday yesterday, which was the twelfth of of July, we've um, we've gone back to tables of five um, after about six weeks of um, either not having any dining or um, or having tables of two. So yeah, baby steps back to some kind of um, more favourable trading conditions, but still really challenging. Also highlighted by the fact that they uh, bars and restaurants can't play music at the moment, which really impacts the the drinking experience. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's tough, really. I mean, it's good to hear that um, things are progressing slightly. Um, Thailand, as we spoke about, it's it's just getting worse and worse. So um, yeah, nothing great. But um, obviously, we're here about uh, to talk about you. So um, what I usually ask all my guests is to really go into your origin stories, and uh, I guess we could be here a while because you've got such an incredible career. And I think I'll start off by saying you've probably got one of those careers that um, most people will be jealous of, including myself. So yeah. Go for it, man. Let's hear about your life. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of like a lot of people in our industry. I started off washing dishes and um, I grew up in a tourist tourist town. Um, started uh, working in cafes and restaurants, and yeah, I've worked in hotels, pubs, cafes, nightclubs for many years. Uh, and then you know, over a, over a 10, 15 year period, worked my way into bars and then cocktail bars. Got a passion for you know, everything to do with, um, you know, fine drinking and bartending and the experiences that we provide for our, for our guests. And also it's a fun, it's always been a fun lifestyle, drinking and flavors and music and partying and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, then I eventually got into bar management and more um, roles with more responsibility and then brand ambassador positions with some of the biggest brands in the world. So, and this is when I was in Australia. And then I was working for a big hospitality group in Sydney for many years, managing a a large training program and, and, you know, we had 26 venues at one stage. And then uh, 2015, I got a good call, a, a call from a good friend of mine, Zdenek Kastanek, to uh, join Proof and & Company. And at that stage, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, and I've been in Singapore now for over six years and um, currently um, heading up our advocacy division at Proof & Company, with Proof & Company being the spirits distribution business and uh, I head up the consultancy part of the business. And uh, also we have 28 Hong Kong Street and we have an education business as well. So that's the, um, that's the long and short of it, I suppose. Came from washing dishes and, you know, followed a similar career path to a lot of people. I'm working my way through the ranks, working in different kinds of F&B businesses and the hotel industry. And, um, you know, was really passionate about bartending and then worked got into brand ambassador positions and training positions and then uh, now head up a consultancy in Asia and uh, recently opened up my own um, hospitality group with some partners in Sydney as well. So yeah, it's been a fun ride um, and I, I love the industry and uh, do a bit too much research at times, but it's all part of the job, I suppose. <laughs> well, I think um, <clears throat> that was definitely the short version for sure. <laughs> Um, let's dive into it. So, I mean, we're definitely going to go on to the consultancy as, um, you know, what I'm quite excited to hear is you, you're going to share your sort of secret recipe for consultant projects and, and you really have done some of the best, um, worked with some of the best bars in, in the world right now. And we'll go through that, but let, let's talk about your time moving over to, to, uh, Singapore and your time at Atlas, because that's when your name first came around for me. Uh, when I visited Atlas and most people will know it's my favorite bar in the world, but you had a really interesting position there, right? Yeah, well, um, Atlas was a, uh, a huge part of my career. Uh, it was a big part of my life. Uh, it still holds a really um, uh, beautiful place in my heart, I suppose, and had my dear friends from, from the owners um, through to the bartenders and everyone in between. I'd only been in Singapore, I think, a couple of months, and when um, Paul Gaby, um, co-founder of Proof and Company took myself and some of my colleagues into the room, which is quite spectacular. And he said, um, um, the Wong family, particularly uh, Vicky, um, 
wants to create something in this space. And so that was then the start of uh, probably a four-year journey of us um, helping to conceptualize Atlas and redefine it and redevelop it into the bar it is today. So it was a, it was a life uh, a project of a lifetime, uh, excuse me, and uh, it took up a lot of my life <laughs> at the same time. Um, and yeah, we we um, we worked closely with um, the owners and all the talented people that came along, from the chef to the GM to the different head bartenders, and um, we got to to develop Atlas, what it is now. Um, I had a title there, Master of Gin. Um, I still do, actually. Um, right. Uh, which, which is now a former master of gin or emeritus former master of gin. Um, so my name still appears somewhere in the menu in the, in the letter at the start. But we, um, myself and my colleague, Jonathan Teo, who is a, the gin, gin researcher, we spent a couple of years putting together the, the collection. We had a thousand gins to start off with. We put a lot of work into the curation and the indexing and the, the procurement and sourcing mm. was just a huge project, not to mention actually putting the bottles in the back bar, which, you know, <laughs> right. with hydraulics and binoculars and, and, and diagrams and graphics and spreadsheets. So it was a, a mammoth effort just to curate, collect, and then actually put the gin collection together. Then off the back of that, we wanted to create a, a world of appreciation and excellence around the gin collection. It wasn't about just having the biggest collection. We wanted to create a beautiful centre of um, appreciation for gin. So we created the Juniper Society, which is this great um, non-exclusive gin club. I think they've got over 700 members at the moment with um, with uh, twice monthly events. Um, we created, we did a lot of training. We did a lot of tastings, obviously, Um and we, uh, we created this amazing experience. So I had a, a title, Master of Gin. I always like to say it's a, it's a real thing. We, we made it up, but it's a real thing now. It's not certified. <laughs> I, had a, right. I had a business card, so that made it real. Um, but that was um, kind of um, initially a, I played the role of some kind of sommelier, but for gin. And so I'd work on the floor or I'd work uh, in the tower um, educating guests on gin and helping them make the right choice when it came to what gin they'd like in their martini or their gin and tonic. I ran all the education. I ran Juniper Society um, for the first year or more. Um, and, yeah, it was a wild ride, beautiful, beautiful space, great people involved. We had carte blanche when it came to creativity and, you know, investment mm. in terms of time and, and creativity. Um, and, yeah, I'm very, very proud of what we achieved with Atlas and, and what they continue to achieve. They've got an amazing team now. Um, I don't work on it actively anymore, um, but they've got an amazing team that continues to um, push the standards, not just for having a huge collection of gin or big collection of champagne or this amazing room. What I'm most proud of and what I most admire about the current team is the attention to detail that goes into the hospitality. Um, we always had this, this principle that when people walk into the room, they would kind of, feel a little bit intimidated they would like if you walk into a church you, you, you tuck your shirt in you fix your posture you hush your tone you might stop swearing and you kind of just you think you got to behave people quite often had that reaction when they'd walk into atlas because it's, it's quite a glamorous ostentatious space but we always had the mission that when people left we wanted them to be more relaxed and high five hugs handshakes and all the rest of it and so that level of hospitality making people feel welcome into the room is something that i think we achieved and they continue to achieve that today and that's what i love most about atlas is is the hospitality and the way 
that the team makes you feel when you're in there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's such a, yeah, I mean, wow, what a position to have. And um, the amount of homework that must have gone into it, into the procurement. Can you tell us about some of the processes? Like, was it literally just right, like, let's just see whatever gym we can find? Or was there, you know, steps country first? And We took a really um, systematic approach to it. It definitely wasn't just hustling to, to pull together whatever gym bottles we can get. Um, we started off, um, and credit to, um, you know, I worked on this with Paul Gaby and also Jonathan Teo, Jonathan Bravo, whose name is Teo. We, um, we set out by curating a list. And so what we did at the start is we put together um, uh, a database where we collated all the information. So that database would have the information such as the botanicals, production methods, um, street address, email address, phone number, if we could get it. Um, and any other notes. And we, we compiled this list of gins that we wanted to get after and, and put into the collection. We also compiled these notes and we needed to figure out where to get them. And quite often we would, this is very early days, but quite often we would send an email to someone saying, we'd, we're putting together this gin bar. Could you help us by sending us two bottles? We'll pay for, pay for the bottles or we'll pay for the duty, which is quite significant in Singapore. So we were kind of splitting. Right. But quite often we wouldn't get a response. And so we would then use a personal email address and then send them an email to an info at, then we'd garner their point of contact email and then we would email them directly. So we had to find all these workarounds to try and get in contact with the brand principal or the distiller or whomever to get the information and then also invite them to be part of the collection. So what we did once we had uh, a large tranche of um, gins that we wanted to invite into the collection, because it was very much curated, we then sent out a, a nice invitation with a, a rendering of the, the tower, um, you know, on a beautiful PDF document, which served as an invitation to then send us a, a bottle or two bottles. And we just had a great response. You know, we had bottles being sent to us from all around the world. Um, we would then collect those bottles. Sometimes we'd have to get paid for them out of customs. Sometimes they would mysteriously just end up at our doorstep. We then, we then catalogued them. We created an index system, uh, a taxonomy of, of um, what, what style of gin that was, and then we put them in storage. So we just had hundreds of bottles everywhere. It was, it was crazy. And then I remember, um, you know, the, the, the venue was in development for 18 months plus. And then once um, construction was finished and we were ready to, to put the bottles in the tower, that was a, a three-day event. First thing is we had to wow, ship okay. the bottles to Atlas. So if you imagine the room with no furniture in it and just covered in gin bottles. And then Bravo sat on a computer in like a director's chair, kind of like directing people to put bottles in different spots. Then we had a couple of the girls get strapped into the old uh, ferry um, uh, hoist system. So an electronic hoist there. So they would hop Wow. I climbed up the middle of the tower. There's a service ladder in the middle of the tower kind of like being in the middle of a, a mine shaft. And I was up in the middle of the tower, receiving bottles, placing the bottles at the correct location while on my phone, on speakerphone, while Bravo was directing me at what location to put it on an XY gradient on each shelf. And uh, I remember we took like 15 hours to put all the bottles in their correct location because we knew where each bottle was going to go before we stopped the tower. I remember we put all the bottles there and then Vicky, Vincent, the owners, and, and Paul Gaby um, looked at the tower 
in all its glory with the lights on and said, we're not so sure about it. So we had to take all the bottles back down again. Really? Wow. And then we had to get some clear perspex blocks made. We had to change the light bulbs to make, to make the lighting a little bit warmer. And then we had to restock all the shelves. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many stories about um, the development of Atlas, whether it's, you know, the creative conceptual development, menu development, um, curation and the procurement from bottles all around the world um, to actually then opening it up. It's just, it's just a crazy ride and one I'll always be really thankful for. Lots of hard work and, you know, a lot of stress um, the whole way through for sure, but it's something that I'm proud about. Great. Oh, wow, man. I mean, it sounds like um, a lot of fun and some good memories I can imagine. Well, I mean, let's go into um, the consultancy and uh, I think maybe it'd be best for the audience to hear actually about Proof & Co first and um, to hear about sort of more about what Proof & Co does. Um, I know them very well from being in Asia. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys do a lot, not just consultancy, but obviously um, spirits, craft spirits distribution as well. Tell us about Proof. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's um, <clears throat> something we're really proud of as well. Proof & Company... Um, really started with 28 Hong Kong Street, which is um, our cocktail bar here in Singapore, which celebrates its 10th birthday in October 2021. Oh, yeah, So we're, we're planning for that in a COVID era. Um, and from there was born the distribution company, Proof and Company. So Paul um, Gaby, Spencer Forhart specifically, founded the distribution business, which is a, in effect an independent spirits distribution company. We represent... Um, you know, it's craft spirit brands from all around the world. Um, and that was, yeah, founded, I suppose, more like um, eight or nine years ago. The, the big point of difference between Proof at the time and some of the other local distributors was the, the service model, really uh, over-investing in customer service and um, efficiencies. So, for example, we would do same-day deliveries, no minimum order, had our own vans, our own boxes, that kind of stuff. It was really quite, I suppose, right disruptive in the local distribution um, world in Southeast Asia. From there, um, people like Zdenek or Joe Alessandroni or Michael Callahan, who also worked for Proof & Company, they would also um, add value for a distribution business by going in there and helping bars on a kind of complementary ad hoc basis to help with their cocktail list or, you know, their spirits list or maybe do some training or help them with their bar design or maybe host a, a well-known bartender when they were visiting Singapore or something like that. And that level of advocacy or organic support from Proof & Company just really grew and grew to a point where we started to be asked to consult on, on new openings or existing bar programs or training programs for bars and restaurants and hotels. Our first big paid project was um, at the Regent Four Seasons. It was the Regent Four Seasons back then. It's just the Regent now, and that was Manhattan. And so um, Spencer, Paul, um, Joe uh, really worked on Manhattan and um, that was obviously a successful project and that was the, I guess, the origin story of the consultancy model that we have now. I was brought in from Sydney in 2015 to really firm up this, this model that combines an independent spirits distribution company with a bar consultancy. And the bar consultancy kind of reason to exist was to support our customers and support our brands and how do we how do we lift the industry how do we improve and, and support the bartender the bar manager the bar um, and then it just snowballed to a point where we really modeled it after a tr traditional creative agency 
But instead of having graphic design or architecture or, or whatever, or furniture design, our scope of work as an agency is building bars, building bar concepts, training programs, cocktail lists, um, and anything to do with, with bars, restaurants, cafes, and nightclubs. So over the last, um, it's been over six years now, I've um, really, we've developed some good tools and systems and we've had some amazing people working for us. Um, we've we've um, turned over the team a couple of times, but you know we've had somewhat of a who's who worked on Proof Creative Consultancy over the years. People like Zdenek, Joe and Michael that I mentioned, but also other people like Peter Chua, Leo, um, Mimi Laurendova, um, Andre Pospisil that's now in your hometown in Bangkok. Um, and now I've got people like Bobby Carey, Tom Edgerton in, in, um, in Hong Kong and, and Charlie Ainsbury in, in Australia and New Zealand. So we, we've developed the, this team, we've developed this consultancy model that not just adds a value add to our distribution business, but now has become its own big agency onto itself. And we have 30, 35 live projects at any one time. We just have a really interesting, diverse mix of projects anywhere, everything from um, basement bars in Hobart, Tasmania, to fermentation bars in Hanoi, to um, rooftop bars in Mumbai. And, you know, we've consulted on gin brands, vermouth brands, um, glassware design, and we do a lot of cool stuff, yeah. So we, we, we're renowned for our kind of big projects such as Atlas or Manhattan or MO Bar, um, recently, we've opened up Republic here in Singapore. Argo opens up this week in, in Hong Kong. But we also, on a day-to-day basis, we do complementary ad hoc smaller projects with, you know, mum and pup bars on the corner or cafes and that kind of stuff. So, we, like I said, we do dozens and dozens of projects, um, and most of those aren't the big high-profile ones. A lot of them are smaller little support projects for a cocktail list or do some training here and there and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, it's yeah, it's just amazing, man. I mean, it's such a cool job to have. And, you, yeah, some of the bars you've worked with, so um, Atlas, of course, MO, uh, Manhattan. Can you give us a list of other bars that people will know? Sure. So, um, yeah, MO Bar, the Mandarin Oriental, they're an amazing team there. We, uh, we worked on that. Mimi, particularly, who is now back in London, worked on that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Republic here at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, Argo um, in Four Seasons, Hong Kong. Um, mm. We do a lot of work with Four Seasons. So we, we did Charles H. Um, in Seoul. Uh, we did Virtue, which is at the Four Seasons Tokyo Automachi. Um, we've worked on, uh, we've just opened up a beautiful beach club in the Maldives with Patina called Fari Beach Club. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, we've done, we work with Capella here in Sentosa. We're working with the team behind Songhai Gin to work on their fermentation bar in Hanoi. Um, we've worked with Superloco Group. Um, yeah, we've worked with W. Uh, hotels across Asia Pacific. We've worked with JW Marriott across Asia Pacific, St. Regis Hotels. Um, we've worked uh, on the Pontiac, which is kind of a bit different for us. We've, we're kind of renowned for working on the big fancy five-star hotel bars, but um, we helped open up Pontiac. It would have been about five years ago, I suppose. Uh, we helped recruit Becca Lee out from Portland and we, we worked on the, the brand and the concept for the Pontiac, which was a lot of fun. Um, it's very different to, to the other stuff you've done for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. And we do have a good range in terms of what we can do. And um, we've worked on, you know, casual rooftop bars. We've worked on fancy speakeasies. We've worked on nightclub programs and everything in between. So we do have a good uh, range. I guess we do specialize in those beautiful five-star hotel bars though. Yeah. I mean, it's such an impressive list um, you have. And um, I, I'm wondering, let's, let's maybe go back to when, um, I guess you approached to to head up the consultancy at Proof, and um, you know what was your your initial thoughts? What was where did you start? Uh, when I moved to Singapore, or taking on the consultancy itself, you know where did you want to take it? Sure, I mean we um, when when I kind of arrived in Singapore, um, the the team or the entity of Proof Creative, which is the consulting business, was probably still in its infancy in terms of we didn't really have um, the systems or tools or the framework that we currently use, which I think we'll talk about today. Um, mm. We had the people and we had, I think there was a vision for sure. Paul and Spencer definitely had this vision to create this, you know, high-functioning bar and beverage consultancy to support the distribution business. <clears throat> but um, I kind of got brought in to execute that to an extent. And so it took me a while to really grasp the enormity of the opportunity. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, so we just got to work. You know, we, we, the first project I really worked on was Charles H. Um, we also worked on, a, on Four Seasons um, Marinucci in Japan, did some events. And so, yeah, I really got thrown in there and just hit the ground running. That's a big project to start with. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I came in kind of late. So people like Joe and Peter were already working on it and Paul were already working on it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we've done a, a good job over the years. Um, we've got the runs on board in terms of our um, accolades. Um, and most importantly, um, the businesses are successful. And most importantly, the, the clients are happy. Our brand partners are happy. Um, you know, the, the accolades and awards are really nice and they're mostly nice for the teams because it's a bit of um, gratification, I suppose, and a bit of recognition for the hard work and the creativity and the sacrifices that the operators and the bartenders and chefs and all those guys make. But for us, it's about um, client satisfaction, brand satisfaction. Are we doing a good job for our brand partners? Are we doing a good job for our, our clients, um, whether it's a, a family-operated business, such as Atlas or whether it's a multinational publicly listed company like Married, you know, um, just making sure that we've got good relationships and everybody's happy is what makes us most proud. And when I first started, um, that's, that was the, what we started on, I suppose. And um, it's, it's crazy to think back then, actually. It was, I didn't know what we were going to achieve, you know, six years later. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, obviously, like you mentioned, that a lot of it was about creating these um, steps and processes and systems. Mm. And uh, of course, I'm really happy we're going to talk about this today, but um, it's about your your 20 pillars of consultancy. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds incredible. Let's let's hear about that, about, um, about these systems you've created to make these amazing award-winning bars. Yeah. You know, again, I think there's a lot of learnings um, that came out of the Manhattan experience. Um, you know, the people that I, I, I work with and work for really started to form up this, um, this, uh, this, this thinking or this framework and how we approach our bar consulting. And it's what we now use religiously across our projects, across our team. <clears throat> and it's what we've um, molded a little bit more and evolved a little bit more. 
the um, the 20 pillars in effect is is the closest thing that we've got to a formula when it comes to our bar consulting and, and building a, a world-class bar and beverage program. You know, the hospitality industry, particularly bars, restaurants, cafes, there's not an exact science to it. There's no mathematical equation or some algorithm. There's one part science, there's one part art, there's one part finance, um, but there's also a bit of kind of um, mystery. Sometimes things just work, sometimes things just don't work. And the closest, the closest thing that some F&B businesses have got to some really tight formula is probably something like Starbucks or McDonald's or some quick service restaurant kind of uh, business. And that, that's not the business, that, that's not the industry that we work in. So when we were dealing with our consulting clients, um, it was a good idea to really, in a practical and literal way, pull apart the bar program into 20 different areas and then create work streams and critical and creative thinking within those different work streams to get the best results. Because someone uh, who's really talented in what they do, and like a lot of your listeners and the people that you've spoken to, just instinctively get it. You know, they're amazing bartenders, great bar managers, bar owners, restaurateurs, etc. So they instinctively know what works and what doesn't work. But hmm. when someone brings in a consultant, they're looking for expertise. And a big part of our consultancy work is, is education and, and getting our clients to buy into the, the, the vision that we've created for them. And we do that through effective communication and creating this framework to explain the vision to them, which is this you know, pretty um, practical, literal 20-pillar approach. The, the first pillar is the most important for us, and it's something that Proof & Company is quite renowned for as well, which is concept. Um, we really are passionate about creating a really clear, compelling defined concept for that bar and that can be low concept so for example our bar 28 Hong Kong Street it's in effect a neighborhood American cocktail bar it's it's not too highfalutin it doesn't have anything too crazy about it it's just a really well executed local American neighborhood boozer bar but then once we've defined that once we've all agreed to what that is we then know what all the other pillars are going to be. So for example, drinks, we know um, what the drinks program can be based upon the concept. Uniform, music, um, the technology element, the sustainability element, these are all different pillars that we then create a whole nother work stream out of and a different um, uh, creative brief out of based upon that concept. And that concept then becomes a golden thread which then permeates through all the other different pillars. And honestly, a lot of um, talented operators, bar, bartenders, bar managers, owners, already think like this. I'm sure you do as well. You walk into a venue and instinctively, you might even verbalise it, you say, okay, well, these cocktails are amazing or it's really cold in here or the, mm. the, the cocktails are really expensive or the music's too loud or why are they playing, you know, why are they playing gangster rap when it's a, 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 a 1920 speakeasy or something like that, you know, already right. starting to pull it apart in your mind. We do the same thing, of course, but now we use the, the pillars as our framework for our conversations and our thinking. So now it's a bit nauseating, but when we, me and my team go into a bar, instead of saying, oh, the music's a bit loud, someone will say, I think, their music pillars a bit out of whack or something along those lines. We, 
we religiously use this 20 pillar thinking to, be, to get the best result. Um, initially, it was a, a way to create some kind of contract with our consulting client. We create a really clear vision with the concept and then we create a really clear vision with each of those pillars, drinks program, food program, interior design pillar, et cetera, et cetera. And then we all agree to it and then we create work streams out, out of each of those pillars. Um, but now it's just the, it's the, the Bible for us, honestly, and it's, and it's really given us great success. Atlas, Manhattan, um, you know, all the different projects that we work on um, used it or still use it and, and adopt that terminology. And it's also been co-opted mm. now by some of our friends, peers and competitors out in the market. And so um, we, we look forward to kind of just kind of publishing it to the world, I think, and, and making making it kind of open source in a, in a literal sense. But, yeah, we, we, we've developed this 20-pillar model and it's given us great success. I mean, yeah, the, the proof is in the concept. Um, it's incredible, man. And you're going to publish this as well. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the idea is that we just uh, we want to make it available for everyone. Um, it's not necessarily rocket science. It's not reinventing the wheel. In fact, it's actually just consolidating um, the the basic principles of, of creating a great bar experience. But what we want, what we want to do is um, put that into uh, an easy-to-follow format and, and make it available for everyone and put clear definition around the importance of concepts, the clear definition of the importance of making sure you have a really holistic approach to your bar project, your bar business, and making sure it's, it's all um, linked together. Because so many times we go into a bar or a restaurant and there's not a cohesive experience. The brand might not relate to the food offering. The food offering might not relate to the, the beverage program. The, the beverage program might not relate to the, the interior design. Um, and so we think there's a lot of um, opportunity to share this with the, the, the industry and beyond um, to help people if, if they need it. If they don't, then more power to them. Fantastic. Well, I, I can't wait to read it. Do you have a date in mind of when this will be released? Um, probably uh, end of September. We're going through, okay. we're going through a um, branding process and uh, yeah, we will, it'll be on the website and we'll, we'll push it out through you know, social media and you'll be one of the first to know. Brilliant. <laughs> well, and I'll also update this episode with all the relevant links um, when it does come out, but that'd be okay. very exciting. Awesome. So I'm, I'm wondering when you, um, do you have a lot of new projects or do you also take on bars that have been running for a while operationally, but just want to refresh? Yeah, for sure. We, we, um, we do all kinds of projects and we get approached regularly um, with existing bars that um, need a bit of a refresh or need a bit of love or a bit of energy behind it. Um, and we actually just apply the 20 pillar thinking. Um, we don't have to apply that 20 pillar thinking to a, a new bar opening. We, we run somewhat of an audit process using the 20 pillars as a filter. So we'll go into a bar and go, okay, what is the concept? Let's go through a definition process around the actual concept. And then, and then really pull the bar apart in through the, the filter of the 20 pillars and put together some kind of report uh, and then look at which kind of pillars we can um, focus on and dedicate the most energy to. Um, one thing I didn't mention actually with the 20 pillars is that when we do put together a 20 pillar plan, we do have this theory that you can't be the best in every single pillar. So for example, okay. you know, one of the world's best restaurants 
they're not necessarily going to have, um, you know, the best financial model or one of the world's uh, best nightclubs is not going to have great food, et cetera, et cetera. They might have really good food, but they're certainly not going to invest all their time, money, energy, and resources into the food pillar if they want to be one of the world's best nightclubs. So our, our um, approach is that when we do this 20-pillar plan, we put really good creative critical thinking into each of these pillars to get the best result for the concept and make it um, cohesive. But we also would need to identify maybe four, five, or six different pillars that we really want to prioritize and put the most amount of, you know, money, time, effort, love, energy into. And if you think about a cocktail bar, of course, drinks is going to be that number one priority pillar. We're going to overinvest in creativity and effort and time into the drinks pillar. But then also, what do we want to be famous for? Well, probably you want to have a beautiful space. So interior design quite often takes up a lot of the budget and, and creative thinking, but also food and drinks is so important. So maybe food and then service is, a, is obviously a really big, important pillar. People remember their hospitality experience quite often more than the drinks or anything else. So maybe we invest a lot of time and effort into service. So our theory is that you can't be the best in every pillar. You can be really strong in each pillar but we definitely want to pick maybe four different pillars to be the best in your city or the best in the region or the best in the world. And um, so when we, we walk into a bar that's already been trading for a while, they might have some kind of concept drift and they don't really have an identity. Maybe the business is failing or maybe they just they want to throw a bit of support behind it. We'll probably look for those four pillars, four, five or six different pillars or areas to really focus on to get the best results. Because if you try to be bit of everything, then you'll see this kind of dilution in the concept. But if we really try to focus our efforts into the outreach strategy, the drink strategy, the hospitality and service, then we might get a better outcome. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I've got a couple of questions to lead on to. So um, I'm interested about the, the team for each consulting project. When you take a project on, um, are you quite a small team or is it like a, everyone's quite specialized or? We are. Yeah, we've, um, We've got four of us now on the team. Um, we've uh, lost a couple of team members um, that have gone on to the next chapter in their career recently, um, and we're about to bring on a couple of new team members. But we're pretty small, pretty nimble. Um, we've got pretty wide coverage across Asia-Pacific. We work on projects, like I mentioned, um, everywhere from mainland China to New Zealand and the Maldives and, and everywhere in between. But, yeah, we've only got four of us on the team Um but we work closely with the, the partners as well, right? So most of our projects will have a pretty talented head bartender. They'll have a director of food and beverage or a chef, uh, you know, um, a bartending team. So we work closely with them. We, we really work in the spirit of collaboration as opposed to the traditional consultancy model, which is here's a drinks list, here's some fancy photos, here's some garnishes. It's going to be hard for you to actually execute. See you later. Wash my hands. Right. We actually thrive in this long-term spirit of collaboration and so we have a pretty small team uh, even though we have a lot of projects i like that uh, a lot actually it's good to hear you've got that longevity in the relationships well um, it's because you know yeah. there's two unique points about our consultancy model the first one is that we're attached to a distribution business um, that's not relevant for all of our markets so for example we work a lot in Places like Vietnam, Japan, the Maldives, we don't have a distribution business there, so there's no crossover. But it is a unique part of our 
our consultancy model because it means that we're, we're here forever. So even, even if our consultancy is finished, we're still going to be a, a partner as a supplier for forever, hopefully. So you're always going to be able to call me. You're always going to be able to pick up the phone to one of my team members and say, hey, can you come and help me with this? Because we still have an ongoing working relationship that we want to protect. Also, um, we want to follow through because we really leverage off the, the hard work and the success of the, the, the bars and the people that work with them. So we constantly are celebrating places like Atlas or MO Bar or Pontiac or wherever it might be. So we definitely never see a, um, a closure to the consultancy chapter. They might, not, we might not be, be paid fees or anything like that, but we definitely are passionate about that follow-through. And then the second part of it is this holistic approach to our consulting. We take this 20-pillar approach. We don't just work on the drinks or the training or the recruitment. We work across all of it. So they're the two main points of difference that you'll see between us and other bar consultants. Mm, fantastic. Okay. And um, we'll wrap up very soon, but just a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Um, so I'll have to talk about- Sorry if I'm talking too much. No, that's what you're here to do. <laughs> and you know, it's so fascinating as well, because I'm sure a lot of people have heard of you, but never really understood uh, more about your role and, and what you actually do. So I think it's great. Um, but let's talk about um, your most latest project, Argo, in mm. Four Seasons. That'd be really exciting to talk about because I know uh, Tom, who's over there right now, he's been a big part of that too. Yeah. Let's hear about the concept. Yeah, the concepts are really exciting. The um it's been a big project. It's been a long project. Um, Lorenzo Antorini, a really good friend of ours, um, has been part of our extended network for many years. Um, he was he was at Charles H, which is one of our babies for many years. Um, you know, a lot of respect and admiration for him. Um, the uh, the blue bar. I'm going to take you back a little bit. Sorry, but the blue blue bar that, that was there previously, Four Seasons Hong Kong, um, was a really busy bar. Like just just killed it in terms of, um, you know, the financials, busy, was quite well known, um, great team. Summer's been there for a long time, for example, and Melda was there before that. So, like, a different metrics, a successful bar, but the, um, the ownership and Four Seasons um, decided that they wanted to create a more of a, a landmark bar um, and a beautiful bar experience. Uh, at the same time, they're doing significant renovations to like the lounge bar, the rooms, the driveway and stuff like that. So we were appointed to work on this bar concept. Um, it's been a really um, tumultuous ride because the first couple of concepts that we put forward, we got quite far down the line with them, actually got pulled back. And so the concept that we've developed now with Lorenzo right. is actually like the third concept of the third iteration. So it's been a long ride. It's been a long journey. If you talk to Lorenzo, he'll tell you this as well. And does that happen a lot? Um, it, it does happen. Um, the delays are relatively common and not uncommon in mm. that way. Um, the, the concept being developed and then being approved and then being unapproved that's unusual um and that yeah you know like i said this is a quite a, a long tumultuous project but you know that just it's just going to make the, the bar experience that much sweeter when you get to sit down at the bar and have a martini might be a while for me i'm still in singapore but lorenzo has been you know, super hard working super patient but he's very creative and very ambitious and he's stuck with it and to his credit he's created something really special so the concept is um 
a look at the, the future of luxury drinking, particularly the use of ingredients and how they're applied to cocktails. Some of the, um, some of the, the key points of the beverage program, which make up the concept, um, are looking at ingredients historically really important to humankind and looking how they can be applied to cocktails and then looking at those ingredients in the future. Um, another component of it is we have a list of the world's most innovative spirits. So Tom and Lorenzo and, and some other people have collected these amazing collection of spirits from around the world that don't really fit into any traditional spirit category. And they're split across categories or categorization that you might not be familiar with. So for example, there's a whole category of hybridization. So we're talking like Mexican whiskies made from corn, or we're talking about um, Swiss absinthe from Japan. We're talking about, you know, uh, particular um, spirits that just don't even fit within a particular category. There's other sections of um, spirits that have a, uh, a liquid and a brand that's really rooted in um, um, charitable or philanthropic causes. There's other spirits that have got uh, a section of spirits that are really rooted in the natural world. So um, spirits that um, celebrate a, a sense of place and terroir and natural and raw ingredients. So in effect, the concept of the beverage program, which really drives the brand and the collateral pieces and the events and all the other stuff that's going to happen, is to look at what is the future of luxury drinking using um, fine spirits and innovative and creative cocktails. And he's got some cool techniques going on. He's got some, you know, modernist and color techniques. He's got these crazy ingredients from around the world. We've done this incredible collaboration gin with Never Never Gin, which is one of the brands that we work with to create the martini of the future. So Lorenzo with Tom designed a martini glass that we got made in the UK. Um, you know, that was a year long project. We created a special gin with our friends at Never Never. He's made some house-made hydrosols to create what we think the martini of the future is. Um, so really in-depth and cool, creative uh, cocktail program and spirits program. That's supported by an amazing brand um, and cool menus and gifts and bottled cocktails and all that kind of stuff. Check out their Instagram. It's really, really fun. And the interior design is probably not what you might think. So the interior design by AB Concepts is this this super, I would say, luxurious neoclassical hotel bar. So you've got some really nice ornamentation and flourishes with the interior design, beautiful colour scheme, and then this really imposing um, central spirits tower that actually moves and hides bottles and stuff like that. So, you know, for anyone, for anyone listening, I might not be doing it justice, but check out their Instagram Graham, it's uh, it's quite special. But yeah, it's been a dream, another dream project to work on, especially when we get to collaborate with people from Four Seasons, Lorenzo, Summer, the head bartender there, um, Alessandro, the DFB, and the rest of the team. Yeah, it's a super cool bar. Brilliant. I'll, I'll make sure to put that Instagram link in the show notes. And uh, for the listeners as well, Lorenzo Antonori, yeah, fantastic guy. And um, he's such an incredible um, personality and bartender. But he was on the show episode 28 for those who want to go back and listen. Cool. Um, okay, I've got a question going forward. I'd love to hear more about um, your sort of your idea of what a perfect cocktail is or maybe some key points about a menu and what each menu should have. Hmm. The... Um the cocktail, I'll start with the cocktail question first. 
everybody's different. Everybody's ha- everybody has different memories, different personal bias or preferences. So what I think a perfect cocktail is, is going to be different from the person next to me or from what you might think a great cocktail is. But for me, um, it's going to all sound cliche, so I apologize in advance, but the, <laughs> sure. you know, a, a good cocktail is, is of course about balance. Um, I like to, um, I like to feel the sensation of the cocktail. So it's not just about the aroma and the flavor, but it's about the, the sensation about how it makes you feel and not just the intoxicating effects, but maybe it's the revitalizing effects. You know, the Corpse Reviver, for example, which is one of my favorite cocktails is called the Corpse Reviver, not just because of the alcoholic content, but because it does have this, this citrus burst, this drying effect, this, this zest um, that comes through and this minerality that comes from the aromatized wine and the absinthe and the gin that actually gives the drink a kind of revitalizing effect or a refreshing effect. So I like a cocktail that gives you that sensation, whether it's a warming sensation or it might wake you up because it's like got a bit of mezcal in it, some kind of cocktail that has some kind of like um, palpable effect on you and your emotions and how you feel, I quite like um, and, yeah, that can be a cold martini sitting at a hotel bar or it could be a, a hot toddy on a cold night. Um, but, yeah, the, the, any cocktail that really creates a, a sense of um, place or a feeling I quite like. And then in terms of a menu, a cocktail menu, what are some of the key things every menu should have? Yeah, well, I'm a big fan. If, you, if anyone sees the cocktail list that I've helped work on, um, I like I consider the, the cocktail menu a storytelling device and it's representative of the concept of the venue. Um, so it, it can be considered a piece of art. It can be considered uh, yeah, can communications device. Um, each, for me, the cocktail list and each of the cocktails should tell a small story. So, for example, whatever the category is, is generally fitting a, a set narrative. And then each cocktail, the name, the ingredients, the presentation, um, the products that are being used, the aroma and that sensation that you might feel drinking that cocktail should all tie into a different story. And then that particular cocktail fits within a category, which then fits into the concept of the menu. So I, I, I'm a big fan of that more kind of artistic direction when it comes to cocktail lists. At the same time, um, I'm a realist and I know that they need to be easy to navigate, um, you know, um, so I'm a big fan of um, artful yet literal descriptions around that cocktail. Like what is it served in? Um, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it strong? Is it weak? Is it non-alcoholic? So some, some descriptors like that I think are really helpful for people to navigate the menu. Um, but, yeah, I guess my, my big point there is that I'm a big fan of really uh, art-forward menus that act as a storytelling device for the venue. Fantastic. Okay. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to hear your story, man. And um, congratulations on on all these upcoming projects and, of course, the publishing of the 20 Pillars of Consultancy. Thanks, mate. I'm going to tell you about one other bar too before we go. Oh, great. Okay. It's actually actually (laughs) my own own bar, um, which I've recently opened in Sydney, which I am. Oh, fantastic. Okay, congratulations. Thank you, yeah. Uh, Sydney uh, going through some tough times at the moment, um, but uh, they're currently in, in lockdown like a lot of parts in the world. But, yeah, my, myself and my business partners opened up a business called Housemate Hospitality in Sydney about six months ago. We have a property called Hinchcliffe House right in the middle of Sydney. We've got three concepts. We've got a, a restaurant called Lana, 
a beautiful eatery, bakery, and uh, dining room called Grana. And then the bar that I specifically wanted to tell you about is called Apollonia, which is the, the underground Italian bandits drinking den, which is uh, this, little, <laughs> wow. okay. this little cavernous Sicilian-inspired um, Negroni cocktail bar. So we've got Negronis on tap. Um, you know, we've got this kind of 1950s, 1960s European, you know, French yay yay, um, Italian boy band rock and roll playlist, a signature scent, and you know, a great bar team. And the interior design was done by um, Matt Shang and Paul Semple, who did Atlas and 28 in Manhattan. So their first bar project in Australia is Apple. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, so beautiful interior design. I like to think really nice cocktails, great bar team. Um, shout out to Alyssa Gabriel, the bar manager there. Um, so yeah, that's my little baby, my first bar that I've actually put put my uh, hard earned into, and um, and unfortunately I haven't been there since it opened because of COVID travel restrictions. But I thought it would be oh, no. remiss of me to to not mention it while we're having a chat about bars. Yeah, brilliant. Well, once again, congratulations. And hopefully I can visit one day when, <laughs> when the world's open back up. So Apollonia, right? Apollonia, yeah. I'll, I'll send you the, the link. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Please do. Yeah, I'd love to check it out. Yeah, cocktail bar, um, focus on Negroni's, uh, great Italian drinking food um, and all that kind of stuff. So really, really good fun. I can't wait to tear it up when I get back to Sydney. <laughs> Fantastic. Jason, it's been such a pleasure, man. Uh, thank you for everything and please stay safe. Thanks, mate. You too. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the episode with uh, the incredible Jason Williams. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed it and found some incredibly useful information there. If you have a look in the show notes, you'll find all the relevant links uh, to what we've discussed in this episode. And uh, yeah, please head over to my Facebook, Instagram, uh, give us a like, share, or maybe leave a comment in the iTunes or Spotify playlist. Uh, Spotify, no, you can't do that. But iTunes, you definitely can leave me uh, some feedback, which would be much appreciated. Uh, Yeah, stay safe, guys, and I'll talk to you all next week.